Last week's conversation with Mary Beck of Gallery 360 still has me pondering and ruminating. I'll be sharing some of that pondering and ruminating with you in 4, 3, 2, Hello art enthusiasts and art lovers, welcome to episode 12 of Art Wonderful, the podcast where art is a religion. I'm your host, Nicholas Harper. I'm broadcasting from my art studio deep within the Rogue Buddha Gallery that's in the heart of the Northeast Arts District in Minneapolis, Minnesota. I want to thank you for joining me as we explore everything the arts have to offer. It's the mission of this podcast to spread the gospel of the arts, their essential value to our everyday lives, and to offer a deep dive exploration into this most mysterious of subjects. You can learn more about myself, the Rogue Booty Gallery, this podcast, and those we have on the show by visiting us online at roguebuddha.com. Click podcast from the menu. To begin, I wanted to share a few updates and uh, let you know what's been happening with um, the Rogue Booty Gallery and at Harper headquarters. Perhaps the biggest news affecting not just the Rogue Booty Gallery, but all of the Twin Cities, is the news that Art World was cancelled for 2020. For those unfamiliar with Art World, it's the marquee art event in Minneapolis, hosted by the Northeast Minneapolis Arts Association, or NEMA for short. I believe this is in fact the largest open-air studio tour in the country. It boasts over 500 art studios, all open to the public, all within about a one-mile radius in the northeast Minneapolis neighborhood. Uh, For three days, these studios, many of which are located in large factory buildings with names such as California Building, Casket Arts, Northrop King Building, and the Thorpe, These studios, as well as galleries, open their doors to tens of thousands of people who flood the neighborhood looking for amazing artwork. In addition to the reason for the season, the arts, most of the bars and restaurants have grabbed hold of us artists' coattails, so to speak, and now feature outdoor stages and beer gardens as well. The entire event on the outside has a circus carnival vibe to it as it cascades throughout the neighborhood, while inside the studios and galleries, artists, collectors, and enthusiasts of all types mingle, evaluate, and enjoy the immense creative output that Northeast has become known for nationwide. In fact, Artaworld, now 25 years old, is a major reason why the Northeast Minneapolis Arts District was rated as the number one arts district in the country by a USA Today poll a number of years back. You better believe we're going to hold on to that W for a long time. So no doubt this news is a blow to many artists in Northeast as Artaworld was... um, Surely a huge revenue generator, as well as incubator for future sales and a massive means of exposure. Uh, I know I can easily count on five or 6,000 people coming through the Rogue Buddha over those three days, and so my thinking cap is on. And again, just as a river finds its way around obstacles, so we artists and gallerists have to be flexible and use whatever circumstances the universe sets before us as an opportunity otherwise not made visible. So, while Art World is sure to be a blow, 
Rest assured, Camp Harper is hard at work thinking up of something to lessen its effects and maybe spring forth something truly amazing that otherwise wouldn't have had the impetus to be set in motion. Again, for me, it's not about the glass being half empty or full. I'm just happy to be there in the first place. Speaking of new ideas spawning from tough times and things that I would have never thought of doing, the next big thing coming out of this week is a new program I've launched called Free Print Fridays! Exclamation point. Basically, as long as any state in this great country of ours is under a government-ordered lockdown or quarantine, I'll be giving away a free art print every Friday via my website. The way it works is really pretty simple. Just go to roguebuddha.com forward slash print, and there you'll see a print that's made available each Friday. Below the print, you'll see a button labeled Download File. Click that button, save the print to your computer, and from there, you have a few options. If you have a decent printer, you can print out the image immediately. If you have a frame ready to go, simply make the file the right size before printing, insert into your frame, and hang on wall. If you don't have access to uh, a decent printer, then there's a ton of options online that will print an art print for you and then drop ship directly to your door. If you go that route, you'll have a few more options available to you as well. You can have it printed on various types of archival paper with different sheens, or choose to have it printed on canvas or even aluminum for a super slick look. Many of these online places can even set you up with the frame. Now, obviously, these prints won't be signed as you're doing the printing yourself. That said, once the gallery doors are once again open to the public, which I'm confident will be very soon, simply swing into the Rogue Buddha Gallery during gallery hours, and I'll be happy to sign your print for you then. If you're out of state, feel free to mail your print to me, and I'll sign it and send it right back to you. If you do do that option, be sure to ship the image and not the frame or glass, and include postage for the return shipping. One final detail about the file itself is that they are uh, saved at 5 by 7 inches, but saved at 600 dpi, so there's wiggle room where enlarging the image is concerned. Um, is 20 foot by 20 foot too big? Okay, that one might be a bit much. So, needless to say, I'm pretty stoked about this. Last Friday was the inaugural print release with a piece uh, I called Mista, and the results, well, color me blown away. I looked at the numbers and so far well over 200 prints, close to 250 prints were downloaded. And the comments uh, from those that would love to collect my art but simply don't have the funds at the moment, well, they've been staggeringly incredible. The love I'm feeling right now is truly remarkable. And it just goes to show that much more in furthering my conviction that art's so much more than just decor or luxury, that it connects us to and feeds our soul. So I look forward to releasing the second print this coming Friday. And again, just go to roguebuddha.com forward slash print. And might I add, if you want to find out about all of these newfangled things going on with me and the Rogue Buddha, while you're on the website, be sure to sign up to be on the email list. You can also subscribe on the gallery blog, which is roguebuddhism.com. And final update, well, I'm still painting away. I've been making a lot of 5x7 studies lately. Many are now available at Gallery360, and I'll be posting more to my website my social media this week. Yesterday was an especially wonderful time at the easel, as I spent much of the day on Easter painting while a slow blizzard blanketed the city. It was truly romantic. 
I hope you all had an equally amazing Easter. Romantic. That's a funny word for some. Uh, I know a few people have been puzzled when I describe painting alone in silence or even walking alone in nature as being romantic. They simply can't get past the modern connection that the word has to the love between two people. But in fact, the word romantic is really the perfect word to describe, I guess, kind of the intimacy one has with their inner self while being alone, doing something that truly inspires and uplifts the spirit. But I digress. Wow, last week was incredible. I was so honored to be joined by Mary Beck, owner of Gallery 360. She did not disappoint, along with sharing the story behind how she got involved in the art world and how her gallery was born. She shared some sage advice for artists during difficult times. Actually, a lot of what she said resonated with me. For instance, in the way she used the word energy to bolster this idea that brick and mortar galleries are essential aspects of the art world. I couldn't agree more. There is a chemistry that takes place when you see a work of art in person or when you experience it in a space dedicated to that purpose and while surrounded by like-minded individuals at an opening, for instance. The next time you find yourself at an art opening, in the very, very near future, I'm sure, take a few seconds to stop and just take in the atmosphere and everything that's taking place around you. The energy is palpable and the sense of culture being created and nurtured really comes to the foreground. One thought I'd like to ruminate on is that you're participating in a ritual of sorts that is, well, really, really old. The appreciation of art is something shared by pretty much every generation, and you're really in a lineage that includes the likes of popes and kings and peasants alike, along with, well, masters that we know of like Michelangelo, Da Vinci, Botticelli, and countless other masters that we don't know about. It's really remarkable if you think about it. I also loved her enthusiasm and optimism in tackling tough times and always moving forward. In our conversation prior to the recording, we both mused about the fact that we would go to hell and back to keep the doors of our galleries open. And in many ways, we've actually both done that, having survived 9-11 and the recession of 2009-10, as well as acts of God by way of storms or just bad selling seasons. You know, so many galleries close with only a handful of years of opening. I know at times it can be quite tempting to look for reasons to close a gallery. God knows I have a list of about 50 really solid, logical, and reasonable reasons why I should have not only closed the Rogue Buddha years ago, but should still do so today. But that's where having a reason why we do something is so important. It gets us through the tough times, and really, all of those perfectly reasonable reasons to close don't stand a chance against just one really good reason why to stay open. And Mary's tenacity and dedication to sharing artwork and being open 20 years really testifies to her love of art, artists, and her clientele. And I think this passion really came through in our conversation in last week's episode. Playing off of this notion of knowing your why, there was one other thing that Mary said last week that I really wanted to explore bit deeper and maybe expand upon this week. She was sharing a bit of advice for artists and mentioned having a routine, finding space every day to make art, even if it's only one hour a day. And then she mentioned that this should be our happy place as artists and that we should be so thankful that we have this gift and opportunity to make art. 
Over the past 20 years, I've seen a lot of artists that have sort of dropped out of the art world, that just don't make work anymore. I've also seen a lot of people who went to art school, and after graduating, well, they never made a practice out of being an artist either. A common theme that I hear is that they simply don't have enough time or energy, especially if they have to work one or two jobs just to get by, or if they have kids and a family to attend to. While all of this is fine and to each their own, no judgment, I do have a few things to say on this topic. First of all, now is the best time to get back into making art if you find yourself temporarily laid off. If you don't have to worry about bartending or being a waiter or waitress right now, or work in that cubicle, or whatever job it might be, think about this as the universe opening up a big slot in your calendar. How are you going to fill that empty space? My second thought is based on something I remember hearing from a successful entrepreneur. I forget who it was, though. I may have heard it on How I Built This, a great podcast from NPR that explores entrepreneurs and really what building a business really takes. I highly recommend that podcast. Whoever this person was, though, the gist of their idea was this, that, yeah, you work one or maybe two jobs, but then what? What do you fill the rest of your time with? For this person, that time after working for other people was time for him to work for himself, to create and build his dream. Sure, you could hang out at the bar and drink, or go home and veg out on Netflix or video games. Or you could spend an hour at the very least on your business, whether you're an artist or creating some other type of product. Whatever it is, this is your time to focus on building something for yourself, so that hopefully it can replace one or both of those other jobs that take up so much of your time, creativity, and energy. And I get it, that working multiple jobs can be exhausting. Last week, Mary said she worked as a waitress for around three years, until finally leaping all into the gallery. When I started the Rogue Buddha, I had both a full-time job and a part-time job, simultaneously for three years myself. These and jobs included selling salon shoes at Nordstrom, doing landscaping and maintenance at a church, working for another artist, that's an episode all unto itself, and finally pouring concrete for my brother's concrete business. Believe me, the last thing I wanted to do after running buggies filled to the brim with wet cement was go to my studio and paint. But not only was I making art, I was building an art gallery and trying to sell the art of other artists. And back then, I had an opening every four or five weeks with numerous events throughout the week, including poetry nights, open mic nights, 24-hour film festivals and theater shows, etc., etc., etc. Not surprisingly, I did eventually hit the wall and burn out, but I'll talk more about that in a future episode. Just know that if I can do it, so can you. A great inspiration for me in this regard comes by way of my good friend Eli Libson. He's an artist and the creator of the Unloved Creatures exhibit that took place this past February. Towards the end of the show, we had an artist talk, and in response to one of the questions from the audience, Eli mentioned that he works in his studio about one or two hours a night. He has a full-time job, has a wife, and kids, and as a result, one or two hours is what's available to him in the evening. Now, the amount of work Eli creates in this very limited slot of time, it's staggering. And it's not only the number of pieces he creates, but the level of creative prowess and quality of execution. It's beyond remarkable. I highly recommend you find him on Instagram at Eli Libson, or check him out in the Rogue Buddha Gallery store. One of his newest creations just blows me absolutely away. It's a mysterious creature's field guide. It's 
about 200 pages and filled with fantastical creatures, replete with descriptions and all. Now available on our online store at roguebuddha.com. But I digress. With all that said, and to summarize that point, now is the perfect time for you to start carving out your creative routine. The final thought I had from last week's conversation is based on Mary's contention that we should be thankful for our gift, that making art should be our happy place. This is so true, and in many ways doubles back to my conviction that knowing your why is so important, not just as an artist, but in any venture or action that we take or invest our time and energy in. In episode 10, I mentioned knowing your why as being a vital component to not just making a business or life plan, but for helping get through times of difficulty in general. I know from my social feeds that many artists and non-artist friends alike seem a bit frozen and out of sync right now. Very understandably so, perhaps. But eventually, we have to emerge from whatever haze might be upon us and take some action. This is the perfect time to reflect on why you make art and what you want to achieve or get from it and then to put that why into practice, either through that all-important daily routine or even through the implementation of a business or life plan. For me in the beginning, my why for why I make art stemmed out of a necessity to escape the harsh realities of the world. It was a cocoon that I could enter and get lost in. I suppose it's not that different than binge-watching a TV show. It was, to a large extent, a form of escapism. But what emerged from that was a realization that what I was doing was concocting my own realities, my own worlds. And as I got older, I began to focus not so much on escaping the outer world, but on deliberately creating my own, so as to influence and participate in the act of creating the outer real world, if that makes any sense to you at all. In a way, artwork started to become my spiritual voice, kind of like being the spiritual vocal cords a tool allowing my soul to express itself. And then, after more time went on, I began to become acutely aware of the impact my work had on others, and just how moved some were when exposed to it. This was when I began to realize that artwork is so much deeper than decor, or luxury, or even my personal expression, that it has the potential to be so much bigger than art itself, if that makes any sense at all. And that's when the why I make art began to become such that, even in the face of adversity, I remain fairly calm and confident that things will be okay. Because I know that pretty much no matter what, where there's a will, there's a way. And if I have a strong enough why, well, I'm going to find that way and make it come to fruition, even if it's not what I had in mind originally. A couple of years ago, I read the autobiography of a childhood hero of mine, Andre Agassi called Open. In it, he talks about the battles he had with playing tennis, that it was never something he really wanted to do, that it was forced on him as a child, and basically, he had a resentment towards the game. It wasn't until he found his why later in life that he began to not just love the sport and really hit his potential, but to be grateful for it and to use it to the betterment of others. It was then that tennis became more than tennis for him. And so now, while I hit that easel, it really is a meditation and place of comfort and strength. And even if I'm not at the easel, but maybe doodling at a coffee shop or reading a book, hanging out with a friend, or walking in nature, it all feeds into that same source. 
and whatever I put into the world, ideally, flows from that same creative source now as well. I do have one tip. If you're an artist and easily succumb to anxiety, stress, or depression, I would suggest not listening to media that might further any of that while making your art. Find podcasts or shows that motivate and uplift your spirit, rather than those that peddle in fear porn, as, well, the bulk of mass media, whether on TV or online, surely does. And if you're listening and not an artist per se, but are feeling similarly out of sorts, I would suggest that this idea of finding the why is just as important for you, no matter what your profession is or what your circumstances are. I would also suggest that maybe you use some of this free time, if able, to find some creative output of your own, that you find a way to express yourself creatively. It doesn't have to be a painting or sculpture, although why not? But it could be in cooking or writing or dancing or singing. If you have a crappy voice, maybe try writing a song and have a friend sing it. But now I'm just blathering. You get the point. Whatever your particular circumstance right now, the best one can do is to make the very best of whatever situation is at hand. I realize things are different for everyone, but I'm reminded of my favorite quote by Oscar Wilde. We're all in the gutter. It's just that some of us are looking at the stars. And I guess that's the moral of that story, that despite whatever our situation, it's up to us to take charge of what we focus on, always keeping an eye on heaven if possible. Funny thing is, I think heaven, it's a lot closer than most think. It doesn't have anything to do with externalities or circumstances, what we have or what we don't have. I tend to believe heaven exists within each of us, now and at every moment. Here's to you and hoping you find yours. I just want to thank Mary Beck of Gallery360 once again for joining me last week. You can find them online at gallery360mpls.com and on Instagram at gallery360mpls. Speaking of websites you should check out on the regular, and one of my favorite places to get a daily dose of art and culture, is mplsart.com. mplsart.com. Not only are they the most up-to-date and current resource for all things Minneapolis arts-related, you can read numerous arts-related articles, and now find out about virtual events going on on the interwebs. That again is at our good friends, mplsart.com. And while you're on the said interwebs, be sure to check out NEMA.org. That's the Northeast Minneapolis Arts Association. And spend some time sifting through the artist profiles. With over 1,000 artist members, there's a ton of art for you to enjoy and fall in love with. And now with the cancellation of Artaworld, they'll be rolling out some terrific new online alternatives here shortly. So be sure to keep tabs again at NEMAA.org. NEMA.org. And that is a wrap for this week's episode of Art Wonderful, coming to you from deep inside the Rogue Buddha Gallery. I want to thank you for joining me, and I hope you do so again and often. Until next time, remember, the best life is the creative life, and the best self is the artistic self. Cheers. Cheers.